Welcome to the Artificial Intelligence Podcast with your host, Dr. Tony Huang. I talk anything and everything that has to do with AI, ML, and data science. Welcome to the Artificial Intelligence Podcast with your host, Dr. Tony Huang. Today, I have Charles Yap, who's with us. Um, Charles did something quite amazing, which is he created or co-created the company Clean Robotics, and they have a flagship product called TrashBot. Charles, do you want to do a quick introduction on yourself? Sure, Tony. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm a serial social entrepreneur. I get involved in organizations that have a double and triple bottom line. So profit motive, social bottom line, environmental bottom line. Uh, what we're doing with Clean Robotics kind of hits all three. Depending on when I start counting, it's my you know, let's say fourth social venture, I could probably rack up some more if I go way back. But uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Quick, quick intro. That's pretty cool. Um, so can can you describe like the initial vision and, and mission that led you to create um, Cleaner Robotics and, and, and this trash bot invention of yours? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the idea was really uh, born out of frustration. Um, if you've ever had the experience of going to, let's say, a Whole Foods where, let's say, you eat something at the hot bar and on your way out, you're confronted with an array of waste receptacles, uh, you know, I'll still have the experience to this day where I'm not sure where to put my waste. Uh, and back when we got started, we kind of, you know, saw a trend for robotic components becoming less expensive, sensors becoming less expensive. And you know, we thought that one day soon, um, AI algorithms and computer vision uh, platforms would become commoditized. So we got to thinking that we thought we could build a system that um, sorted waste more accurately than the public. Uh, and what kind of sealed the deal for us from a business model perspective was when we realized how expensive traditional waste receptacles uh, are. So just by way of example, um, the set at the Denver International Airport has you know three bins. Each set costs $3,000 a pop. They have, you know, about 250 of those. So that was, you know, like three quarters of a million bucks just in shiny metal tubes that people don't oh, wow. use correctly anyway. Uh, and so, you know, at those prices, we thought we could build uh, a robot that was at least from a, you know, competitive from a bill of materials perspective. Uh, but, you know, we obviously charge more than $3,000 because, you know, we're, we add way more value than just traditional waste receptacles. So, so, and the value that you add is that you guys are using AI and machine learning to identify and sort waste, right? Mm. Yeah. So I always say people come for the waste sorting, but they stay for the data. Um, so you're, you know, on the hardware side, you're, you're right. We use AI and machine learning to detect waste as it's thrown away, and then that robot sorts the waste three hundred percent more accurately than the public. Wow. So um, can you can you explain like just in real simple terms how this technology works? Yeah, of course. So, you know, you approach the system a lot like you would a normal waste receptacle. There's an opening at the top. Um, you deposit um, each one of your waste items one at a time. Um, it goes into what we call a sensing chamber. At that point, uh, you know, we have sensors that take values. It also takes a picture uh, and then it runs those sensor values and that image uh, across a library of similar sensor values and images that that you know our AI has aggregated over time. Uh, it makes a classification based on that library. And then the robotic component will just go over to the correct bin and drop that item uh, in there. And all of this happens very quickly. Cool. 
Uh, now you said that um, like Trashbot eliminates a lot of the human error and and the waste management. Like what what's the most common type of error that uh, that it prevents? Ooh. Yeah. So I mean, the most common type of error is um, let, let's say maybe they're they're like of of three flavors. Um, one is uh, the the error of indifference or confusion, where people will think that somebody will figure it out later, and they're just putting things in in the wrong place because they're they're aspirational that it'll get figured out later. So um, I'm not sure where to put, let's say, the coffee cup, uh, you know, from Starbucks. Um, I think it's recyclable. Maybe it's not. And I'm just going to put it in the recycling. So that's one type of error. Another type of error is putting things where you know I you know think that it goes here, like. Uh, let's say a plastic bottle with a lid on it in many places that's not recyclable uh, recyclable in other places it is um and so trashbot because it's it's programmed and very reliable uh once you know we've kind of calibrated the rules for a particular setting into into its system it's it's going to be very reliable at doing that and then the third error is the error of contamination many people think that uh people will have assumptions that uh, the recycling stream can tolerate more contamination than it actually can't. So if you throw in a coffee cup um, that's, you know, say half full of coffee into a clean stream of recyclables, you've already, you know, contaminated that stream of recyclables to some extent. Some materials are more resistant to contamination, like aluminum is pretty resistant, uh, but other materials are much more sensitive uh, to contamination, uh, like fibrous materials, paper, cardboard, uh, things like that. And then you have compost, which is perhaps the most sensitive of all the streams where anything that doesn't belong in compost can contaminate tonnage. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Now, now you said uh, before that um, like your greatest asset is is the data that, mm. and the insights that, that you, you get from Trashbot, right? So like, can you provide some examples of how this data can be like utilized um, in like, a, you know, maybe like a decision-making process or like, mm. how, it's like, how do you, how do you take the data and do something useful with it? Yeah, that's that's a you know that's a perfect question. A lot of people get really excited. Um, we have several data scientists uh, yeah, on our team, and they get excited for, with data for data's sake. Uh, and I always say it's it's cool to know stuff. It's even better to do stuff with the things you know, right? Uh, and so uh, what our data allows is really high fidelity um, views into the nature and the composition of your waste stream. Uh, which has consequences um, for a number of things. Um, in places where there's a uh, cost differential between landfill and recycling and compost, um, that is, landfill is more expensive than uh, either or both of, of recycling and compost, then we can drive savings. Um, we also have fullness indication built into the system so we can help facilities right-size the level of service um, on trash bot and um, other waste bins. So that saves on manpower and on materials. Uh, uh, we can also provide insights that will lead to improvements and optimization in driving the uh, amount of waste diverted from landfill. Um, so you have, for example, let's say styrofoam clamshells uh, that are not recyclable. They have to go to landfill. Um, by switching those out to a alternative that's recyclable or compostable, all of a sudden you can divert all of that. Uh, we can also help um, facilities get a picture of what changes to their waste practices or purchasing strategies, um, how that can impact some of their sustainability and ESG goals. So, um, you know, we had one customer ask us, you know, we don't have recycling. Um, we only have landfill. We want to know if we implemented a recycling program, um, you know, how much would we be able to divert if we made no other changes? And we were able to provide that information at high fidelity. Uh, and then the next question was, if we implemented a composting program, how much additional waste would be would we able to 
would we be able to divert? Um, and you know, combined with recycling and landfill, it, it turned out to be a good amount. Uh, and then with some really minor tweaks in their purchasing, they got up to something like 80%, uh, right? And so with this information, um, uh, the sustainability stakeholder was able to kind of present that to other stakeholders in the organization and present a much more compelling quantitatively based uh, narrative around um, uh, driving change in the organization from a sustainability perspective uh, and what that could mean um, for the organization. If you're also an organization that has concerns around uh, you know, your carbon impact and the carbon footprint that um, your staff, visitors, uh, and general operations have, we can also uh, very uh, simply calculate how much carbon is abated um, by diverting waste from landfill uh, on an ongoing um, high fidelity basis. So uh, the the clients that you have are um, quite interesting. You have like the Dallas Fort Worth International Airport. You got the um, port authorities of both New Jersey and New York, as well as um, the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. Um, so what what type of like uh, unique challenges and opportunities like uh, do do these different facilities present? Like uh, such as like you know the stadiums, the airports, the hospitals. And then, like, how how are you able to adapt, um, like Trashbot to to help those out? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I would say, you know, we designed Trashbot uh, for facilities like the ones you just described. Um, these are uh, facilities that are public facing. Um, they have a transient public uh, moving through them, uh, and they have a lot of waste. In other words, they have a, a problem large enough to justify a solution like ours. Um, the other thing I would note about these facilities is that. They're all in very different locations, um, which means that the recycling and waste sorting rules uh, are different in each of those, right? And we've designed our trash bot so that uh, very easily it's able to, um, or we're able to modify how each trash bot is calibrated to fit the specific uh, sorting rules uh, and environment in which that that unit is deployed. Cool. So the so when you implemented um, like Trashbot against like say like Dallas Fort Worth and then the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, like th- that's I'm assuming that's one of the considerations that you had to 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 take into account. Are, are there any other like um, like implementation uh, like weirdness that you had to like adapt to in order to get um, your like your solution to be deployed across like those different um, you know those different facilities? Yeah, you know, I would say a lot of like the weirdness kind of happens before deployment. You know, we put a lot of thought into the AI and the robotics and the hardware to kind of um, not be a perfect one size fits all, but, you know, a one size fits, you know, most of the places that we want to be. Um, A lot of the weirdness comes just from the nature of selling to complex organizations, a, you know, a, a product that people have never heard of and never seen before. Um, you know, there might be like very complex uh, uh, bureaucratic kind of processes to navigate with, you know, a semi-public, semi-private institution like a port authority or or an airport. So that's kind of where like a lot of the weirdness um, is. And I would say that's that's perhaps like our, our competitive edge. Uh, but, you know, as, as far as the AI goes, um, you know, there might be some, some novelty around uh, what artificial intelligence is. And how can a trash can be artificially intelligent? You know, what does that even mean, <laughs> right? And uh, when we're kind of uh, discussing this with stakeholders that aren't necessarily involved in the day-to-day, day-to-day operations of, of waste management, you know, we have some education to do. Uh, 
but I don't know that that's um, in particular like unique to to this class of customer. I think anyone that hears about this for the first time is going to have questions. Now, are are you guys a like a like a startup or do you like Series A, Series B funding? What uh, what um, what stage are you guys in? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I would I would consider us a startup. Um, we're kind of pre Series B. We're in the middle of a raise now. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, like any any uh, key success milestones that you guys achieved since you've launched the Trashbot? Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of great successes actually. So um, we were one of the winners of the AI X Prize. Um, it was the AI for Good X Prize. Um, we closed a Series A um, in 2021. Um, we are almost ready for mass manufacturing. We have, uh, and that's kind of part of the proceeds for this raise is to uh, put a bow on our last preparations for mass manufacturing, um, as well as buying inventory for, you know, so that we can make units um, faster and, and more efficiently. What? Uh, how uh, much you just raise in your Series A? Or uh, is it... Yeah, I'm not sure I can disclose that. In okay, this yeah, yeah. yeah no, no problem. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, I'm there's always a, a big just... proponent for like startups. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of weird rules from the SEC about like what we're able to disclose in the middle of a round. So I'm I just are on the side of caution. Okay. Yeah. No problem, man. Um. Yeah. So like, uh, I'm I'm actually quite interested in the in the waste management. Um. Mm -hmm. So like, I guess what what um what impacts have you seen on like waste management and and resource like recovery in these facilities where you actually um deployed like the trash bot and like mm. into, into production. And mm. you give some like, like very specific examples of like how you're able to, uh, how, how it implement, impacts like the waste management. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, one of the challenges that we hear about persistently is this question of changing human behavior and behavior change. Um, you know, I would, I would argue that people today, um, there's greater awareness about the importance of appropriately separating your waste today, but only about somewhere between, depending on where you, what your source is, between 20 and 30% of all recoverable materials are actually recycled, right? So it's, it's an abysmally low rate in the United States. And a lot of this is because of the problem, you know, it's a complex problem, number one, but also getting human beings to change their behavior is like a very difficult thing. The cool thing about Trashbot and our data platform and our artificial intelligence is that because we have a really high fidelity view into every item of waste that goes through a fleet, we're able to then analyze that uh, and improve our AI over time, uh, but also glean data that can be then used to craft messaging strategies. One thing I haven't talked about yet is there's a, you know, if you go to our website, uh, there's a monitor on, tar on top of Trashbot, and we can use that to deliver all types of educational content as well as other types of you know, corporate communications around, you know, anything. Uh, but one of the most exciting things we can do is once we have an understanding of what the key contaminants and behavior problems in a facility are, we can deliver content to adjust those behaviors in that setting. Uh, as an example, um, we deployed at an airport and found that um, most water bottles uh, in that facility were going to landfill. That is, our trash bot was sending those to landfill, even though the plastic is technically recyclable. And the reason for that was because there was too much fluid in those plastic bottles, uh, which made which made them a contaminant in the recycling stream. We were able to deploy educational messaging on those monitors that said uh, to the effect, you know, empty your plastic bottles um, or we can't recycle them. 
you know, the, the, the language is a little more polished and um, more concise, but, but that was the gist of it. Um, at the same time, that airport installed a liquid capture station right next to TrashBot. And overnight, that is, we deployed that educational messaging and installed the liquid capture station. Uh, overnight, uh, the amount of recyclable plastic bottles that we were able to send to the recycling side increased by 60%. And so what this tells us is a number of things, um, you know, the power of data and really being deliberate about crafting messaging to change behavior uh, in a way that is highly relevant and customized to a, a facility can have huge impacts. But it also tells us that people want to do the right thing. It just has to be easy and they need to know exactly what the right thing to do is. Cool. Um, for uh, for the AI ML part of, of this product, like, are you guys using like off the shelf um open source like frameworks or are you using like uh like uh turnkey solutions such as like any of the AWS or or Azure or GCP offerings mm -hmm. like um how how are, you, how are you guys running the the cloud um like uh post processing on on this on this data yeah that's a great question so it's it's, it's a combination of things you know it, it makes sense to buy instead of build where appropriate um, you know, our, our data set is proprietary, um, our algorithms are proprietary, uh, but to kind of build those two things and manage those two things, we're using some off the shelf, uh, you know, services. Um, I would say we're, we're in general, pretty agnostic. Um, we're kind of looking for um, ease of use and price um, when we kind of select things. Um, and what we're finding is uh, the, there has been a flood of tools in recent months um, given the the really rapid changes in in the space of AI, so this is this is a really exciting time to be working in the field. So I I noticed that um the 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 trash bot um handles bias pretty well, right? With the like your example of the the water in the the the, the water bottle, like mm -hmm. how 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 are you handling like other biases in like the trash bot's decision making process? Um, I'm I'm always um looking out for like you know how people are. Are dealing with like bias and fairness in the decision making mm. process of their algorithms. Um, mm -hmm. They're like a, a mechanism that you guys are are using to ensure like the fairness and the the objectivity of of the uh, of how like Trashbot is like sorting the the, the waste. Yeah, it's a great question. So, as part of kind of our machine learning operations, we do have um, a tag and kind of image review process. Um, so we have humans on the back end that are reviewing things. This kind of serves multiple purposes, right? It's kind of um, informative for our supervised learning process um, it, as part of the, the natural progression of building new algorithms. Uh, but it also allows us to double check for errors, mistakes, and, and possible um, biases. Well, you know, the... yeah, so, so you guys have like a, like a human in the loop uh, set up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so this is really important to any of the listeners like you, the 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 uh the main point of the story is don't go full auto with uh, AI. <laughs> you should always have a human in the loop somewhere to check it before it goes it goes out. Yeah, yeah, uh, I would say it's generally good practice. You know, we're 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 kind of insulated from. I would say uh, our product is insulated from perhaps the most severe uh, ethical risks because we're. You know, at the end of the day, um, sorting discarded and wasted waste items. Um, so there's there's not a ton of harm we can cause there. Yeah. Um, can you explain a little bit on on that feedback loop? 
um, for like the Trashbots learning process um, and like how, how does it understand and correct its mistakes? Just a little, like a little bit more in, in, de in detail. Yeah. So it's not going to correct mistakes. Um, what will happen is, so let's go back to how Trashbot works, right? So you throw something away. Um, the system takes a picture, takes some sensor values. It makes a classification based on um, a library of similar images and sensor values that's kind of uh, housed locally. Uh, and it'll make a classification at that point. That data is also sent to the cloud where um, after some period of time, uh, a team of humans will go and review those images, those sensor values, those classifications, and kind of match them against, uh, let's, you know, let's call it a standard, right? And it'll judge, the, the human team will judge whether that was a correct or an inaccurate classification, or maybe it's something new. Right, and we maybe we need to create like a new category or or, or something, um, and then the output from that process is something that will feed into a new algorithm, mm -hmm. which will be better and more intelligent, and then deployed to the fleet. Okay, cool. Um, do you, so do you think that like the the evolution of like AI machine learning could eventually lead to Trashbot um, to a Trashbot that's more capable of not just sorting waste, but also like reducing or repurposing it and and like if so like what 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 type of like evolution do you think that mm, um, it's going to go into yeah that is that is a really big question so um i would say that while technology like ours is part of the solution it's not the magic bullet um the waste problem is enormous and really touches uh, a multitude of disciplines. Um, so for example, part of the solution is going to be um, new materials that are uh, maybe more compostable, right? So that might move us away from certain types of hydrocarbons like plastics and, and you know everything that kind of falls into that category. Or maybe it means new types of plastics that will biodegrade. Um, it might mean new technologies around composting, uh, it's going to mean CPG companies making um, tough choices that in the short term um, might cost them more on a kind of bill of goods uh, perspective. Uh, you know, if I have to switch from uh, this particular material that our entire supply chain has been highly optimized for to this other material that is less optimized, but more compostable or more biodegradable, that's going to cost them something in the short term, but they might also be able to charge more for it. So in the end, there could be like a, a business return. Um, on the AI side, uh, you know, there's there's a entire value stack in waste that I think is underexplored um, by our artificial intelligence uh, professionals and, and experts. Um, and I think anywhere where waste changes hands or changes containers, there's an opportunity to apply artificial intelligence, data uh, data analytics, perhaps computer vision um, applications or uh, and, and sensors and, and so forth. So, so like, it's it's so it's, future, it's a very complex. Go ahead. Sorry. In the future, if you had uh, if like people came out with like a, a new type of formula for like cups or or bottles or whatever, um, like how fast are you guys able to like retrain that algorithm so that it can detect that type of like uh, material so it, it doesn't like um, mistakenly label it for for something else yeah i mean it it depends on a number of things i guess just from a from a practical point of view if one of our customers let's say starts you know buying this new material 
or this new packaging. Um, it, it could be as simple as them letting us know and sending us a sample, or you could kind of wait the long way and just wait for, you know, Trashbot to collect enough data uh, on that particular new type of material or packaging um, so that we can, we can train our algorithm. So, you know, one is going to be a lot more efficient, you know, send us a sample and we can do it. Um, or, you know, you could just wait to see enough of those and it'll fall under a normal kind of workflow. Cool. Yeah. So, so speaking of like AI, um, like AI right now is evolving on like maybe like a bi-weekly uh, basis, right? Like take for instance, like <laughs> large language models, every two weeks, there's a new, like something that's coming out of the large language model section. Like with, with AI becoming increasingly sophisticated and more and more sophisticated, like how, how do you foresee like evolving, like, like the, the trash bot in the future? Are you going yeah. like, to sensors on there? Are you going to try to like, um, build a different infrastructure to, to, uh, um, to adapt to like new algorithms, uh, like what's, mm -hmm. what's the future plan? Yeah. So I would say all of the above, um, you know, I think there's, there's perhaps, um, new manifestations of our hardware, new use cases for our hardware with some minor tweaks. Um, I think one of the, you know, you mentioned, uh, large language models. I think one of the really compelling, um, possibilities of, of things like chat GPT is the ability to interact, um, with, with your own data, right? And so like one one question uh, that I think every executive that that's listening is, you know, what would you do? What would you ask? What kind of insights could you imagine if you had the ability to have a conversation with your data, right? You know, yeah, how would you start Are, are that? you guys planning on, uh, on like adapting like any of the GPT technology to like the front end of your interface? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the hot thing that's happening right now. Everybody's yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of folks doing that. Um, but I I think it could even go kind of deeper than. Uh, um, there's more opportunity besides the the low hanging fruit of just having a chat, um, on a dashboard or something like that. I think there's, uh, the, the depth here is 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 quite profound. And, you know, I I always use the example of um, you know, imagine, imagine the telephone had just been invented, right. And, you know, you might be thinking, what am I going to use a phone for? You know, everyone I want to talk to is close by. You know, who, who am I going to talk to? And you could say, well, you can talk to anybody. And then you'd say, well, what am I going to talk to that person about? And it's like, you can talk about anything, right? And that's just perhaps a, you know, inelegant analogy to the depth of, of ChatGPT and large language models is that the depth of it is like very difficult for us to imagine at, at you know, in these first days. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually quite interested in like how how you've been able to like overcome some of like the AI related challenges um when you when you were like developing and implementing Trashbot did you did you run into like huge problems like maybe like uh going into like edge devices like you didn't know what to do with edge devices or you didn't know how to connect edge devices to the cloud or you didn't know um how to use certain um you know packages or like I guess, like, what what was your biggest like AI related hurdle that that you had when you were building this? Yeah, we had all of those challenges. Um, I mean, it it really just took time and uh, kind of segmenting what was urgent. Um, not like uh, really just applying intelligent business sense to technical problems, right? Like, is this um, you know, for example, uh, how important is it? Uh, 
you know, let's go back like four years or five years. How important is it right now to have an edge AI versus a cloud connected AI when we only have a handful of units out, right? And the connectivity is good, right? Can we just do, do we really need to do that? Or is that kind of like a um, incremental improvement that our customer is not going to notice and that really we care about because it's a more elegant solution, right? And so really just knowing what matters to the customer is a good way to set up guardrails on where you should be applying your technical resources. Yeah, so the um, in terms of like maintaining balance between automation um, and like human intervention, like how, how do you how do you maintain that balance between what like Trashbot can do in terms of automation and then like the need for like human intervention or or oversight? Like, do you have like a some type of uh, like methodology, or I guess like you have a second type of sensor that that checks on the first type of sensor. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's you know because we built the AI, we have a good sense of what it's capable of and 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 what it's not. Uh, a lot of it was um, kind of just using the domain expertise that we built over years, uh, and then testing our assumptions um, in a way that was fairly empirical, right? So we we generate. Um, a set of things and then run it through the model and see how it did. And they'd be like, okay, well, it's not, it's not good at this yet. Um, we can't trust it to, to do this um, where, you know, for other items, it was like very reliable, you know? Um, and so it really just came down to uh, running those experiments, identifying uh, predictable gra gaps and, you know, making sure that there's a human in the loop there. Yeah. So, are you guys planning on like expanding beyond waste management with this? Like, uh, like, are you going to another market later on, or what's? I guess what's the plan on this? Or, or are you only staying in the waste management space? Um, we're pretty focused on the waste management space. We think, um, you know, my personal sense, you know, the mission of clean robotics is to apply technology to persistent uh, environmental problems, uh, and I think as, you know, there's only going to be more persistent environmental problems. Um, you know, I, I I see a lot of encouraging progress, but I also see um, only an increasing need for you know what we've built and related technologies. All right, a uh, final question. Um, so, how how do you see like AI, ML, data science, and robotics changing the landscape of waste management and resource recovery in like say the next five years or ten years? Like, is it, gonna, is it really going to drastically change the way that we're going to be throwing away our trash? Or um, do you think that um, this is kind of like a very niche, like, um, uh, solution to, like, specific, like, uh, facilities and, and locations? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I see, you know, the technologies that you mentioned, AI, uh, robotics, machine learning, uh, et cetera. Um, becoming more deeply entrenched in the waste management industry. There's there's a lot of opaqueness around data and understanding in the waste management industry. Um, and my opinion, wherever there is a whole lot of opaqueness and kind of what's going on, there's a huge opportunity to get data and run things more efficiently and more intelligently. Um, so, you know, the gamut runs from kind of where we play at the initial point of disposal to the dumpster level, to the truck level, to transfer stations, recycling plants, and landfills, uh, all the way through um, quality assurance uh, and commodity tracking 
to the recycling plant, to the composter and, and, and so on. So at every stage, there's a different player with slightly different incentives, slightly different data and automation needs. Um, and they would all benefit from this. And, and it's also, I think, worth remembering that, you know, robotics and automation uh, makes sense for tasks and environments that are dirty, dull, and dangerous for human beings. And waste management is, by its very nature, dirty, dull, and dangerous. Charles, thanks so much for uh, getting on the show. In case anyone wants to get a hold of you, how, how do we get a hold of you? Um, check out our website, cleanrobotics.com. Um, you can also shoot me an email at C-A-Y-H-A-P at cleanrobotics with an S.com. Well, Charles, thanks for being on the show. And for the viewers, have a good night. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can contact me at tonyphoang.com for more information on AI, ML, and data science.